detective. Thrill me. All right, we've gone on a trip. We've uh, booked into the Overlook Hotel. Mm. My brother was supposed to be involved. Yep. Supposed to be here, but uh, he had to pull out. Yeah, he got knocked off early. Yeah, he got taken out early. Actually, we did take a trip. We went to Melbourne. Yep. We did Tough Mother in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Still physically. I think I'd rather stay at the Overlook. Yeah, yeah true. true. Uh, and while we were up in Melbourne, my brother, Luke, in his typical style, decided, to, <laughs> come on down, mate, we'll do one. We'll get involved. What about The Shining? Sounds like a winner. Unfortunately, we were not able to get the job done while we are in Melbourne. Couldn't organise it. Couldn't organise it. I think it was partially because I made a bad call that we should do it in the morning of Sunday. Nobody mm. was interested. Look, mate, it was, a, it was a distant second once Pancake Parlour got thrown <laughs> yeah, And also, was, we should have done it sun, Saturday afternoon or whatever it was. Sunday afternoon, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, but that was after Tough Mother, and I don't think anyone was really that interested. <laughs> well, shit, yeah, you couldn't, couldn't open the bloody computer, mate. Well, fuck, I couldn't get up. I <laughs> <laughs> open the computer, so I don't know how good I would have been. So, unfortunately, my brother's not involved in this. He had, yeah. he, he had a lot to say about it at the time. He had a lot to say about it. <laughs> He's provided us with none of that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think either of us are uh, as big on the film either. No. So it'll be an interesting discussion, yeah. put it that way. But... I've got plenty to talk about in the in the recently seen. Yeah. So is that so that should pad things out. Because yeah, I got fuck all. You got fucking nothing. Okay, so straight off to you, you got nothing. No, it's not nothing. But I've been uh, basically all I've been doing is uh, sneaking the odd episode of Breaking Bad in there. Right. Okay. That's it. So so nothing else. Nothing else. Okay. Yeah, because you're you're snowed under. You're you're up to your balls up in to my work. Ass in university work <laughs> and in one of those periods thinking. Why did why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> why why am I back? I chose this. You know, yeah, yeah. I'd been to uni once, and I thought, eh, I might have another go at it. And, uh, so yeah. so you've got one beer soaked um, degree. You were expecting, you were hoping to get a work soaked degree. Yeah, I was hoping <laughs> at one that was actually soaked in sweat and tears, rather than just the you know the beer sta- the, the beer cup stains from the. From the uni bar. Yep. And look, that's going to happen, and it's going to happen with better marks than the beer so guys. <laughs> but yeah, P's equal degrees, mate. What gets, are you talking about? It gets a bit tougher. Yeah, it's, I understand that. But it, it's worthwhile. It is worthwhile. Got a bit more to it. Me, I've seen a lot of stuff. Right. I caught the, the Maybe rest you should of... go back to uni. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got nothing else to do at the time. But also, when I'm sitting there like a vegetable on the couch, I also think to myself... Fuck, you know, and, you know, at least I don't have to think while I'm doing it. I'm sort of... Just you get credit there. for your old degrees too, so I don't know. Once they see you, <laughs> once they see your old one, they might give you a week off. Uh, well, they might tack on an extra year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I watched the last five episodes of the Scream TV series. Yep. I actually enjoyed it. I thought the second yeah. half was better than the first half. The first couple of episodes, I was kind of a bit, meh, yeah. not sure I like it because I didn't particularly like the the, the characters and they were all cliche and cookie cutter. Yep. But I think as the show went along, 
it built a lot better for me. Yeah. There was a little bit, there seemed to be a little bit of padding at one point towards the middle. Yeah. Um, where you just kind of wanted the story to advance a bit. Yeah, there was but, no killings in that period as yeah, well, if I remember right. But in a way, that kind of worked because you didn't get into this, all right, who's going to die this week? Yeah. There were some weeks where you didn't know if anyone was going. Yeah, because no one did for several weeks in a row, or yeah. several episodes in a row. So I thought that was, that was a good touch in the end, and I thought the last five episodes nicely pushed towards the, the finale. Yep. I watched Unfriended. Yep. Which I'm surprised I'm going to say this, but I actually really liked it. I tried to catch that at the cinema, but they um, it was they f- unfriended it pretty quickly. I kept going, week. friend, 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 and the, the Hoyts kept going, nah. nah. <laughs> really interested. Look, it's, it's actually quite good. It yep. works really well. Look, there's no character development, and the acting's a little bit piss poor. And there's one character, quite frankly, I would have killed that motherfucker minute <laughs> one. He was an absolute cock. And and it takes a few minutes to get used to the fact that it's basically like watching someone use a computer, you know, standing behind someone watching them while they use a computer. Yep. Other than that, though, I thought it worked out really well mm-hmm. and surprisingly well. Uh, the execution was pretty good. So I was fairly impressed with that. I watched the whole second season of Broadchurch, which is an English police drama mm. um, starring David Tennant, which yep. is really good. I thought you were just trying to pretend, you know, when, when you got into a highbrow conversation. Yeah. You just sort of, <laughs> once you get Broadchurch, anyone? Yeah, you just sort of Broadchurch. Watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's then, pretty highbrow. Yeah, it's pretty... Because, because the rest of my conversations are caught unfriended yeah, yeah, the other yeah. day and everyone's like, yeah. It's British. It's classic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what else? Were Bordello of Blood. Ah, the yeah. Tales from the Crypt. What um, under that? Well, I, I picked it up on iTunes. Yep. Oh, it's it's crap, but it's it's a tidy crap. I yeah. really enjoy it. I got a couple of really good laughs out of it. It's a little bit dopey, and it's not anything special, but I I, I enjoyed it. Mm. I always find it Look, a bit of fun. There's some it. circles that, that probably put that ahead of Demon Knight in the Tales of the Crypt. I disagree. I, disagree. I'm not one of them, no. Uh, okay. I, I like Demon Knight a lot more. We'll just cut that conversation short then. Okay. Right, eh? Oh, are you a, are you a Bordello of Blood? <laughs> no, man? no, I'm a Demon Knight man. But I, I also I really one, I, I really liked um I really liked Bordello of Blood. So, <laughs> I got plenty of laughs out of Bordello of Blood. I've, while I was researching this shit on uh, the net, I found that there was a third Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Feast or Thirst or some shit yeah. like that made in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I can't remember what Directed happened Directed DVD, I believe. Yeah, I don't know whether it actually sort of ended up with the tag on it or whether it got sort of separated. No, I think it ended up getting separated, but it is sort of a unofficial mm. Tales from the Crypt entry. I watched Back in Time, the Back to the Future documentary, which has just dropped on Netflix. Yep. It was really cool. Excellent. I really enjoyed that. And they talked to everyone. It's it. I hate to say this, but it's kind of sad to see Michael J. Fox. Yeah, he, he, the Parkinson's is obviously it's taken hold. Taken hold. I mean, he's still very funny and still, you know, he's still there. It's just that obviously you can see the what what Parkinson's is doing to him. Yeah, and and it gives you a little bit of a bit of sadness. But you know what? The guy's still with us, mate. He's still mm. kicking, and um, you know, he's, he's he still has plenty of anecdotes yep. to give. Uh, the I've good... actually got the uh, I've got the coffee table book on the way. Have you? Yeah, the, the visual history. The interesting, the other part about it I liked is it really only covered the making of the movie for about half an hour, and then it sort of goes into a lot of stuff about the fans and the guys who have put in the effort to create recreate the the DeLorean and all these people involved, and I thought it was really good. 
Yep. Obviously, uh, I've got a couple of photos in a DeLorean. Right. Jumped on iTunes and picked up a one of these Bloomhouse films. Yeah. Uh, called Visions. Yep. Now, it was recent. It only came out tw- this year. Had Isla Fisher in it. Had the guy from um, Big Bang Theory, Jim Parsons, Eva Longoria, they were all in it. And also a guy who's got a, a name that suspiciously sounds like a sex move. <laughs> He's Edson Mount. What's <laughs> his name? Edson Mount. Okay. So I'm thinking, yeah, look, let's spice it up in the bedroom tonight. Let's do the Edson Mount. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Edson <laughs> sounds like some sort of exotic... Um, Exotic twist, <laughs> just the standard mount, I suppose. <laughs> well, put it this way: this movie was not it brilliant. Like climbing a mount. <laughs> it was not brilliant. Yeah. It was a bit of that usual sort of boo, sort of you know, you get your boo moments and your jump scares and stuff. Yep. But actually, the the ending, how it all sort of came together, I kind of didn't mind. Yeah. Like I kind of liked the idea of it. I think it was not anything special, but the idea of it at the end was quite good. Yeah, I'm all for I'm all for those guys. Yeah, house. I think that I, I love the idea that they just got they stick to a three mil budget for everything, and it's hit and miss. But they they have actually had some real hits. Well, look, they've this hit, one's hit definitely on a, couple of a really good idea. Yeah, this one's definitely a miss as far as it was released directly to iTunes, and I haven't seen anything of it. It hasn't been released in America, according to everything I've looked for. So what, two minutes, two minutes googling before you. Well, you know, you like you, you jump online and, and yeah. it says it hasn't been released in the US. I'm thinking, well, shit, it's probably going to get dropped mm. somewhere. And with the caliber of the cast, um, I'm thinking, could it have been more than two mil or three mil or whatever their their range is? Maybe not because. Yeah, you know, the guy had a big bang theory, he's only in it for a few minutes. So it's yeah. the kind of thing that, yeah, we'll just grab you, we got you for a couple of days, let's chuck you in there. So yeah, look, I, I like their model as well. I think that it they've made a lot of money. Yeah. And and have barely wasted any. I mean, we've had conversations for years about some of these movies that spend two or three hundred million and I just we've said over and over, why wouldn't you just take a gamble on on a whole bunch of a whole bunch of uh, young, un- fresh untried, guys, yeah, yeah, fresh ideas. Give them five mil each and see what you come out with. And if one of those hits, you you might make as much money as one of those one- other ones that you spent three hundred million on. Yeah. And if they don't, but you have a collection of sort of semi-successful movies, you're probably going to come out in front anyway. Yeah. And, and it I'm- seems like they're, that's exactly what they're doing. And they have produced some. I think they've had a couple of like mega hits, hmm. and, but then a couple that have just sort of. They just get the job done, but because they're on such tight budgets, they make make mozza out of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with it. I think it's a really good way of doing business. And lastly, I watched It Follows. Yep. I've been waiting, waiting to – I just want to submit these assignments so I can jump straight on and watch that. Yeah, look. But you're, you're a little bit cold on it? No, not cold. No, I, I, actually, I actually really liked it. I thought it was really good. I, I th- early on for the first f- – 10, 15 minutes, I was kind of a bit kind of, uh, I'm not sure what this is, and I wasn't quite sure what it was what it was going on about. But when it steps up, when it starts to ramp up in the middle, it does a real good job, and there's, it's patient, 
it's really patient with its the way it does things. It's a slow burn, and yet it works. Interestingly enough, and I, you know, it's funny that um, I watched this today, basically, mm. knowing that you know we were about to talk about the shining, but the directorial moves are very, very similar to The Shining. I thought you were going to say, given it's, you know, involves sex, that somebody threw out the Anson Mount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody said, oh, fuck this, the Anson Mount's too hard. <laughs> Let's go back to simple, <laughs> simple stuff. This Anson Mount shit. I'm going to do a bloody hammy or something. <laughs> no, it, the Kubrick directorial style of The Shining is quite evident in this movie. The real slow... Cameras, the, the the slow zooms, mm-hmm. the static shots that are wide, and you're not, and then you're getting in for coverage later. Yep, you know that sort of shit, and it works really well. Yeah, it actually reminded me, um, and I read a review about it, and I sort of agreed. Got a little bit of a Halloween feel as well yep. to the actual directorial style, the slow build, mm-hmm. rather than the actual concept. But I, I definitely check it out. It's definitely worthwhile. Sounds positive. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed Still looking it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Let's get our key, head up to the room, and start into the shining. Masterpiece of Modern Horror, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, rated R, opens Friday, June 13. Check newspapers for local listings. The Shining, the Stan- Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, from 1980, directed by Kubrick, produced by Stanley Kubrick, and written along with Diane Johnson, based on a novel by Stephen King. It stars Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance and Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance. Now, the budget was allegedly $19 million and the box office, according to numerous sources, but I I sort of took a bit of a guess, is about $44 million in domestic sales. So there's no real mention of what the worldwide gross was. A little bit of trivia. The shoot was actually supposed to only last for 17 weeks, but blew out to 51 weeks. Jesus so Christ. So, um, yeah, that would have really fucking put you off, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, bloody hell. I don't think I need to give a synopsis for this movie. No. I think most people know what this is. My general thoughts. It's a real hard one to score for me. If I'd never, never read the book and never seen knew of anything about the shoot or the the, the TV uh, miniseries that they put out, I'd give it three and a half mm-hmm. because it is legitimately scary. I think the the way it's directed is pretty much is very, very, very good as far as camera moves and all that stuff. And it's, it's quite tense. Mm-hmm. But knowing all that other stuff and having read the book and knowing what's not in it, I just, I, I'm lukewarm on it. It's yeah. a two and a half for me. I, I can't oh. go past 50% because wow. the novel, so much of the good stuff in the novel is missing. And some of Kubrick's, some of the biggest mistakes in the movie are his own fault. That's right, big call. Yeah. 
We'll delve into that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to go a three and a half. I was a bit surprised because the first time I re- the first time around, I really didn't like it. Uh, that was a, that was a few years ago now, but Kubrick's just one of these guys that I just can't I can't get I can't access him. Basically, I think quite frankly the bloke's probably far too intelligent for the likes of me. But I really struggle to watch some of his movies. I haven't gone too far into it for that reason. I haven't gone too far into his into his movies for that reason. Mm. But I mean, the thing is just. It's magic to look at. It's you can tell he's just meticulous about everything that he did, the the planning of the shots, um, everything is just just down to fine detail, and so I mean it looks looks brilliant. Um, it's it is extremely scary in parts, and it's got some great performances. It's got a couple of duds too, but mm. for the most part, the acting's really good. I'm going to go three and a half. I reckon I was okay. I was far more into it than I was last time around. And I don't know, maybe it is one of those ones that you, you do sort of get rewarded upon reviewing. Yeah. Maybe it is. And I think, again, you you haven't read the book, no, I assume. No, I haven't read the book. I'm, uh, familiar with, I'm familiar with King and familiar with the, the sort of synopsis of the book, yeah. um, but I haven't read it. And I think, unfortunately, my having read it has tainted it a little bit. Yep. Because I would agree in a lot of what you've said is the movie looks absolutely magnificent. And there is a lot to like. Yep. There's a real lot to like about it. I think I, the only thing I would disagree with is I think the acting is actually a let, is probably the biggest one of the biggest mistakes in the movie. I think that Kubrick hasn't quite got the actors in mind. He he, he seems to be really big on the detail. Yep. And then the actors are left hanging out to dry. Yeah. But we'll get to that. I think we'll get to that as a discussion point. What what do we like about it? Uh, well, from the get go, that opening shot, stunning. Just looks brilliant. You had me, you, yeah. Oh, it's like mountains, a man with ten dicks. Mountains, water, <laughs> snow. Yeah, oh, I can't believe you've only given it two and a half. <laughs> I didn't think you should give it two and a half of that. Yeah. Oh, I was just beside myself. <laughs> Throw in the music too, which is quite. Quite good in that section too. And as I said, you throw in a picturesque hotel. That's empty. You couldn't be happier. Fuck no bah, people. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I, early on in the first five minutes, I am just fucking right into this. this. Greatest movie. Greatest ever. movie ever made. I think that uh, what he has accomplished directorially, as uh, in terms of the technical side, is you can tell the bloke is a. Was a very very good director. Yeah, because uh, this is not his wheelhouse. Yep. Normally, you know, he, his his other movies were more that subversive sort of shit where you're taking a you know you sort of having a crack at certain you know uh, institutions or whatever. Yeah. And there's a subtext to it all, and I'm sure there's a subtext to The Shining somewhere. <laughs> Perhaps Room Two Thirty Two. Yeah. The Doco yeah. might explain yeah. it more, but or just confuse you more. There's a real sense of dread and an atmosphere that that prowling camera that you know the steady cam that they use, yeah, following um, Danny around. Yep. Some of the real slow zooms. There's that one where they walk through this sort of um, I don't know what to call it, but like the hall um, when they're getting the tour. Yeah. And the camera sort of stays far away from them, and it just it it's uh, one long shot. 
and it just sort of creates this tone of this this hotel being sort of ominous and overbearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just all the way through. And I think that's part of the success of this movie, this atmosphere that's built by the the actual directorial skills and stuff, the the things that he's chosen, as you say, very meticulous in the shot selection. Yep. No wonder it took 51 weeks. (laughs) I actually find Danny and his imaginary friend kind of creepy. Danny was... He was one of the ones I was talking about when I said great performances. For a kid, he is... He is really quite good. good, and he's yeah. creepy as shit when he puts on that that second voice. Yeah, he starts talking. The voice is really it? creepy. I I don't actually know whether they did any effects on it or something, but if they didn't, yeah. I'm pretty sure they did by the sound of it. But if they didn't, I mean, it's it's a fucking great performance yeah, for a little yeah. kid. I think he, he actually gets a good performance out of the kid. Yep. Which and look, Nicholson too. I got my I got a, I got one one fairly big issue with Nicholson. Um, as the casting, and I think you've got the same one, which mm. we'll get to in the dislikes. But as a as an acting performance, yeah, he's he gives you what he's got, and he's a, he's a great actor when he oh when yeah. he's interested. I mean, I think I think Nicholson's a no brainer. Like, it's hard to say that he's given a bad performance because he's a very very good actor. Yeah, he's a great actor, and he's been hired for somewhat that that second half of the movie, that's yep. where you get your best of Nicholson. And he really does deliver in that, that section. Yep. Yeah, we'll get to the bit that I don't, I think that a lot of people probably don't like about the performance there. I must admit, bring, coming back to the shot selection, there's one that I actually thought is just phenomenal where they're out, in the, Danny and Wendy are out in the hedge maze mm. and Jack's inside and he's looking at the, the miniature hedge maze yeah, yeah. And then they show the shot from above, the miniature hedge maze, and it starts zooming in towards the middle, and then it's sort of you just see the two little people walk into it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. we're back outside again. I thought that was great. Like, I think that's a really, really great touch. There's a lot of touches like that throughout yeah. the movie that are just make it really great to watch. Mm. The scene with the two little girls... Where he rides around the corner and they're standing there and they go, come and play with us, Danny. Yeah. Forever and ever. And he keeps seeing them all chopped up. And yep. I, legitimately, I was watching it in the dark because it was <laughs> early in the morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that gave me that little... Popped a little bit. <laughs> poo was coming out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was fucking creepy. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's the kids, the way they deliver that shit. Yep. Because they've got that deadpan sort of look. Yeah. And it's the glassy sort of eyes. It's really sort of, ugh. Yeah. I actually find the uh, the, the one in the bathroom oh, to yeah. be just fucking difficult to watch. It's yeah. It's bloody creepy. Everything even, about that scene is brilliant. Even before um, the, the woman changes, the way you're sort of far away from her, it actually kind of makes you, it puts you in the position like you're standing in the room. Yeah. It doesn't sort of cut closer to it. It's just that one long shot again, standing, and then, the, you know, the hand comes and pulls yeah. the curtain back. And even though she's, a you know, a good-looking woman, it's just creepy as shit. Like, you're staying far away from it. You're kind of looking and saying, she looks normal, but yeah. there's something off here. Something's you know, not like, right. And the and music's really giving slow. you that sort of ominous touch yeah. to it, and you yeah, you're off. You're you're put off by the whole thing. Yeah, and that's a, another fine example of he's just crafted this this these scenes that just just make you um, make the hair on the on yeah. the back of your neck stand up. 
Um, and I think that is probably the big, biggest strength of the movie for me. Yeah. It has this claustrophobic atmosphere that mm. just, just never goes away. Like yeah. it never, he never sort of takes you out of that. There's always that feeling of there's a there's a, an explosion waiting to happen somewhere. I think probably other than the, the bathroom scene, which, like you, I'm unnerved by, it's brilliantly edited. It cuts away from Jack to Danny and all that sort of stuff right near the end there. Yep. The other really great scene for me is him and the barman. Yeah, yeah. Those, you, you those get are a great. little, you get a little bit of sort of laughs. You get a couple of laughs. Yep. You get that eerie quality because the barman's just standing there. Yeah, he's sort of just not reacting, yeah. and he looks like a ghost. Yeah. And because he's wearing the, the old school gear. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then you also get the 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 information about what happened between Jack and Danny when he broke his arm. Yeah. And Jack's sort of fucking, he's going, it's fucking three years ago, yeah, she won't let me forget about yeah, it, all yeah. this sort of stuff. I think uh, one of my favourite bits in the movie was, uh, I think it was the lead up to that where he's walking down the hallway and he looks like he's, uh, he looks like he's ready for a dance off with Crispin Glover. Yeah, he's, he's, he's throwing the hands yeah. up and got yeah, he's <laughs> picking <laughs> knees up and he's <laughs> swaying around. And... Yeah, he's not fucking upset. I think that chat in the bar is is probably the key scene for me. I think it really works because it's not a it's not a scary scene, but yet there's a there's a sense of that exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, and it's and, at its absolute peak. There. And by extension, when it when it moves into the one with Grady as well, yeah, in the bathroom, that was similar. Yeah, because he's kind of talking to him in this in this sort of deadpan voice about how he you know, he shot his. He's chopped his kids up and all yeah, that shit and there's this vibe with the with the like the red bathroom and it's just yeah that that um, that's where you get a sort of a look into Nicholson's head mm. and the addition of those other characters sort of just like you said it adds that vibe to it where it's you're kind of unsure what's going on but there's this ghostly sort of tone to it and mm. yeah really really good. I also think the hedge maze stuff was great. Uh, obviously, in the book, it's not a hedge maze. It's actually hedge animals that come alive. But, you know, it was 1980, for fuck's sake. You couldn't do what they were asking. And I think the hedge maze is a, is a very, very good um, substitute. That may actually be one of the things that possibly was improved. Yeah, yeah. I think it works better. Yeah. Just because all that, all that shot, those shots where he's chasing him through the hedge maze, it's, again, beautifully shot. Looks incredible, mm. and does give you that again. Still, that sense of I'm I'm after you, and I will catch up with you, sort of thing. All round, I think as a director, this is one of probably his finest work that I've seen. Just the effort involved and the, the stuff that's been done. Admittedly, I'm like you; I haven't seen a lot of his work. No, but I like think I said, really I had difficulty delivers. accessing him sometimes. So, yeah. I, well, I was wide shut, for instance. Which was his last movie. No, you can't tell. I don't even know what the fuck that was. <laughs> I, I know it had a lot of sex. Got nothing It had it. orgies and shit in it. But it's just, it's t- the guy's working on a different level. Yeah. And I think we, we'll just go straight into the dislikes here. The guy's on a different level, and I think sometimes it's above, maybe it's above my head, but I think it's above a lot of heads. Yeah, I'd agree. I think... I mean, I believe, I, again, I don't know the bloke in and out, but um, I believe he was 
basically genius level intelligence. Mm. So I think there was uh, there was probably a lot of subtext in there that blokes like you and me are kind of sitting there thinking, what's this all about? <laughs> so you're probably right. He, he is, I, as I said, I find it difficult to watch some of his movies sometimes. It, there's Sometimes I find a lack of that sort of, that traditional sort of storytelling. I find that there is more towards that subtext and messages that you, yeah. you have to go to a lot of effort to decode. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I think this is probably his most accessible movie because it is a linear story. It's going from A to B. We know where we're going. But there's so much sprouted off the side. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the red bathroom. What the fuck is that? Yeah, like, I'm sure there's some kind of reason for the red bathroom, but it's just... It, I don't know whether it's just to get you a little bit, your hackles up a little, yeah. or is it just, or is something else happening? I think it was, I don't know, for me it was fairly basic. I think it was sort of hearkening to the blood. Yeah, I think so, but just again, I don't know like where that. he's going, whether or not that's that's legit. Yeah, exactly. Or is it somewhere else? Have yeah. we gone somewhere else with all this shit? And I, just I mean, it out? in some way that could be one of the strengths to his movies, that people sort of people work out what they want from some of it yeah. and you never quite know whether it's right or not but true maybe now but, look let's let's get to the elephant in the room Nicholson for me he never looks normal exactly yeah. ever the performance is good but he looks nutty as squirrel shit from the, <laughs> from the second he's on screen the interview He's kind of every time he smiles. Yeah, I think he's ready to pull the axe. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, and that's what I'm saying. He's he, he, look, Jack Nicholson's a great actor, and I think if he'd have been given some better direction, he could have pulled back on some of that early on. Yeah, but I don't, and this is my biggest dis, dislike for this entire film is I think it's cold. Yeah. And and almost soulless at times. But not only that, there's other parts to it that don't, to me, don't make a lot of sense. Like, the way I look at this movie, I guess the, the, the theory that's been tossed around that I subscribe to is kind of like, he's got a massive ego, and he sort of comes to the hotel as that ego's being torn apart, that he's, ha- he's having no success as a writer and all that yeah. sort of stuff, and this is his masterpiece. But there's no, it doesn't seem like a descent. And no. you've got things like, like you said, he looks nutty from the time he gets there. Yeah. There's the part where she finds the pages and it gives you the impression that every single page Sits has the there. all work and no play, blah, 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 that there was never any writing. Yeah. So that doesn't lend itself to there being a descent. That lends itself to he was there, fucking lost, lunatic from, from yeah, minute one. Minute one. All you needed was a scene or two where he showed himself as a loving husband even. Yeah. Anything of that nature. Yeah. But it never happens. It never materialises. I guess feeding into that too, the thing that I disliked was the diminishing of the alcoholism angle because I thought that was, again, I haven't read the book as as closely as you. I don't have the knowledge of the book that you do, but I believe that that was fairly integral to the book. Yeah, it was. was. And it was basically King writing about his own struggles with alcoholism. And and that's what what the idea of the Overlook was. It was was his... um, it was his he's losing his yeah his grip on fucking his uh, normal life was being destroyed by this demon that was actually alcohol yeah and but it, I mean manifesting in these ghosts in, in the that he was yeah in the movie it sees <clears throat> it, it seems to follow that 
by giving you those ghosts and they're, I mean, they're in the bar, like that's slapping you around the head. But then it's really vague about whether he's drinking grog and it doesn't actually appear that he is drinking. Yeah. He is drinking from the movie, through the movie. And in the second half, it's basically, it's gone. So I kind of, I struggle with that a little bit because I find, I mean, if you, <clears throat> King's source material is, is quite heavily anchored in that. Mm. And so you go to that, but then you take it to a different place and you move more towards the supernatural angle than the alcoholism. Yeah. Um, so I struggled with that a little bit. Yeah, because I thought I would have thought the alcoholism alcoholism angle would have worked. Yeah. In the confines of this movie. Like, what Kubrick has, you just need to put the alcoholism in there instead. Give us a bit more of that, the feeling of... We don't know what the fuck is this guy on the piss or what's wrong? Yeah, what has he has he delved back into the gone back to the well of drinking again? Yeah, um, it it never fully covers off on that. Yeah, it's mentioned a couple of times. You know, it, it says that he'd been sober. I think she said he, he he hadn't hadn't had a lot to drink for months or something. Yeah. And so, the, another part that was missing, I think, and I think it was in, I believe it was in the book. Again, I haven't read the book in a long time. He needed Alcoholics Anonymous. Meetings, he couldn't get to him, mate. He was fucking stuck in the hotel. Yeah. He was doing them over the CB radio. Yep, yep, yep. And so again, we he, once again, we're giving him this tenuous grasp on his fucking sobriety. He's desperately trying to hang on to it. Yeah. But it's disappearing because he can't get, he's, he's now stuck. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was part of, um, as I said, like reading into the movie, the, the one that I went with was that it was, his sort of ego was breaking down and the hotel was kind of a representation. What was going on in the hotel was a representation of him coming to grips with the fact that he was a fucking failure. And a, um, yeah. And I think, I don't know, I think that might have really, that seems to go hand in hand with, with the alcohol angle. Yeah. So I don't know, that that just sort of missed a little bit for me. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and that, I think that misses the mark. Unfortunately, Shelley Duval is not not up to it. No, not not in any way, which is sad because I think perhaps she could have been. I think she could have given a better performance if given something to work with. And honestly, I think it's Kubrick's fault because for, when you read about the behind the scenes stuff, he basically treated her like fucking dog shit. Yeah, he, he, he separated her from everyone. Her mental breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> and. Yeah, that might work for some actors. Yeah, but it just didn't here. It fucked the whole thing up. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was almost distracting. Yeah, she's hysterical. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all she does. She's hysterical. Yep. And I think it's a real cock up. And this is why I mean, as a technical director, I reckon he'd be right up there with some of the best that mm-hmm. have ever done it. But he, there's no soul, no heart. It feels like a and Stephen King. I totally agree with the way he he explains this movie. He says it's like a shiny new car with no engine. Yeah, what was the line about um, something about thinking? There was a famous line from a from an interview he did about thinking something or other. It's, mm. It kind of summed it up exactly. His sentiment is kind of what you're yeah what you're saying too. And uh, I think that's probably its biggest problem is that yeah. it it lacks that heart. Or any type of emotional uh, response other than fear. Yep. Like fear is there, but nothing else. I felt, even though I do like the music, it's a little bit 
bombastic at times. It's shoved in there a little bit too hard on a couple of occasions. Yep. It's a minor quibble for me, but it just it just pops up a couple of inopportune points where yeah. I'm just kind of going, fuck. I it's actually, gone a bit overboard, well, I actually, um I really liked it because I thought... I thought it was well placed. Like there was points where there was no music at all, and then when it came in, I thought it kind of added to that overbearing atmosphere. Like the, the hotel was sort of taking control of things. Mm. Um, so yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a. I, I could see where you're coming from because yeah. sometimes it felt like there was a frigging tuba in your ear or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Maybe it's just a bit loud. Yeah, but it. it um, I, I didn't mind it. Here's my one other major issue. With this movie. And see, this movie doesn't have a lot of dislikes, but they're big yep. for me. The pacing of the back third, it's too slow. Like, we have, by the time we get to She's Seen the Typing, and he starts, you know, I don't, I don't want to hurt you. I just want to bash your fucking brains out, you know? Yeah. And she hits him over the head. He wakes up in the fucking, he wakes up in the meat locker, and she's having a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and things slow down to a crawl. And then they fire back up once he gets the axe out. I just feel that that's a real problem. Like, it, we should have been... The moment she finds the riding, it's on. Yeah. The chase is on. Yep. Because there's no going back from that, but they somehow go backwards slightly. I just felt that that was a real poor you know, decision to make. It did seem a bit funny. It did sort of slow down. I agree. That point where she finds the paper, it's kind of ramped up, and there's this sort of desperation. Because he's, be he's now he's now in full fucking psycho mode. Yeah, and he is threatening to kill her. Yeah, and there's this. It's funny. There's the, there's the desperation, and and she was like you said, she was basically hysterical. So it's, it kind of goes against that. Yeah, I actually had uh, I actually had one. I, I couldn't get over this. It seems really minor to me, but it's the whole thing about the shining. Now, The Shining, I understood in the terms of the movie, the kid had it, and O'Halloran had, had it. it yeah. um, so that's how they were communicating. But the kid also had the friend, the imaginary friend, yeah. who early on in the movie talks to him like he can see the future. Yeah. So I had a bit of a problem with Halloran coming in and getting knocked over when the kid's been... Shining with him and taking, so him, taking him away from his hotel room with naked, naked, naked women, women on the wall. <laughs> with afros. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this, he's communicating with him. And I'm thinking, well, where was your fucking friend on that one? Yeah, yeah. Maybe Tony was out to lunch. Yeah, yeah. Tony was out to lunch when your only hope gets, well, gets what looked like your only hope gets axed in the, in the doorway. Yeah. I kind of thought that was a little bit funny. So See, I sort of, I, I didn't, I didn't get the the imaginary friend angle. I didn't quite get where the Danny, because he had this gift, he was actually communicating with the dead as well, which it mm. seemed like he was, and that again goes along with the theme of the ghosts and and that sort of thing, or whether he was just shit scared of his dad or whatever, mm. and was and was was theorising on what was was going to happen, and and. See again, um, I think this where again where the book lends itself to the more complete picture you know there's a lot more you've got a lot more to work with with a book you know and the explanation for The Shining I believe and again 
I haven't read it in a long time, but is far more substantial. Yep. And you understand what the fuck he's talking about. I think it's cut back a little bit for, for even for timing purposes in this. And you're right, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. To be quite honest. Yep. I'm going to throw a couple of weird ones at you. Yeah. If he's seeing all the ghosts because he's a fucking, he's going insane. Yep. And Danny's seeing them because Danny's got the gift. Yep. And he's communicating with these people. Then why is it that Wendy sees him? Yeah. Down the stretch. Down the stretch. She cops What's one that? too. I don't know. So this, also, is, this, is where, this is where I get all twisted up. Yeah, and again, is this a subtext thing? I don't know what it was about. But also, wasn't there a guy in a dog costume getting a blowjob? I think he was giving the blowjob. Giving the blowjob. I don't know. That was the one where I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, was the Overlook Christmas party got a little bit out of here? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the kind of thing I look at and I think, I'm kind of glad I'm not that smart because I don't really want to know what that's all about. I mean, look, if you'd have just if, if the camera had just panned to the left, I'm sure there was a guy photocopying his ass yeah. <laughs> over in the corner. Look, you know, to be to be quite frank, I'm more of an Aspen Mount man. You know? I don't I don't go for <laughs> costumes and things like that. Just the clean old Aspen Mount. You know, I'm I'm sort of Anson Mount. Anson Mount. An Anson Mount. Yeah, yeah. Look. But see, I think he's gone for the Anson Mountain. I'm all, I'm just thinking about, you know, the classic stuff. Because I just don't understand that shit. I don't know what where that comes in. It's not it's not talked about anywhere else in the movie. Yeah, I actually thought that one was uh, that was something that was supposed to be explained in the book. It though. was, I think, it had something to do with. Um, that you dosed off at that point? No, no. I, skipped I, a few pages? I can't remember what exactly it was about, but it, it had something to do with one of the the guy in the dog costume was a closet homosexual, I think. Yeah. Um, and there was a bit more story to that. But um, it's not... See, again, none of this comes into play Yeah. in the movie. None, except you see a, a fleeting scene of a guy in a dog costume giving a blowjob. Why? That's kind of one of the iconic moments. People seem to remember that, but again, I just think I don't. I don't understand what it was. <laughs> Something like the bathroom scene worked far better for me. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, you cut that out. You cut the. You cut. You trimmed say ten minutes out of this. Slipped the pacing up a little in the third act, and you've got a better film for me. Yeah. Okay, we'll take a break. Then we'll come back and have a little discussion about Stephen King adaptions, mm. film and telly. Wendy? Darling? Light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. (laughs) Stay away from me. Don't hurt me. I'm not gonna hurt you. Before we get on to the King Adaptions... You watched the documentary, Room 237. Yes, I did. Thoughts? <laughs> look. What sort of conspiracy theories were out there? I, okay, look. I got into it because I wanted to, again, as I said, I, I, I watched The Shining and I don't I don't go a lot deeper than what's on the surface. 
Um, <laughs> I'm not digging deep into the snow outside of the yeah. of the hotel. So I wanted to. I just wanted to. Well, I've got I've got my own sort of ideas, but I wanted to have a look around and see what other people were, were talking about. And this seemed like the perfect way to do it. Mm. Um, and early on, I was hooked. I was right in. I thought this is a great idea for a documentary. And they had, I think it was four or five people explaining their beliefs on the on the film and what it represents. And some of them were quite quite convincing. They had things in there that, that would seem legit and that were going for them and that you could sort of put together. My big problem came with the fact that this never stopped throughout the movie. The whole movie is just cutting back between people telling you what they think. And there was never anybody else come to sort of analyze and say, this guy could be onto something. Or alternatively, with one or two of them, somebody just immediately coming out and saying, bullshit, this is, there's nothing to this. So there's no connection to anyone from the movie? Like any, any no, no, no. It was yeah, just like a, any, any, you know, fucking onset people. No, it was just four people that had watched it, voicing over um, scenes from the movie and and talking about what they saw in them and things like that. And there was never a point where anybody um, involved in the movie or even just you know some academic that's got a bloody interest in the movie came to say, yeah, this. This could be on something. Where's the peer review? Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... Um, it was, all it was was these people talking about their ideas, and I found that to be a real flaw. Yeah, that um, doesn't really help you. Because I really, yeah, I, I went in there thinking, this is great. The first sort of half hour, I'm thinking, this is great. This is this is right up my alley. Just people shooting the shit about the movie and what they think it's mm. about and their proof. Yeah. And it never changed from that. And I really would have just liked a little bit of... Even just, you know, pare it down and say, even start dropping them off and saying, yeah, that one doesn't look great. And then focusing on one at the end that, or one or two at the end that might have something to them. Yeah. yeah. It never did that. And it, all, it just allowed, it just allowed the presentation of the views with no sort of discerning, discerning eye to it. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you could pretty much film anyone who's got some kind of bullshit theory about something. Yeah. And, then, and I mean, there was one point. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. There was the guy with the moon landing and that just. I mean, the whole time you were just listening to what was being said and thinking, this is pure shit. <laughs> and I, I think I, you know, I Googled a couple of things he said afterwards and they, they seem to be pure shit. Just like <laughs> changing room 217 from the book to 237 in the movie. He's sitting there saying, oh, he did this because, you know, he filmed the moon landing scenes. And if you, if you look into it, you know, even though the moon and the earth sort of changed distance, the, the average distance is 237,000 whatever it was. And a cursory glance at Google proved that to be fucking incorrect. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I would have liked. Yeah. I would have liked someone to call bullshit during the movie. But, yeah, if you like the movie, it's definitely worth a look. Okay. So I have to have a bit of a I'll probably have to check Yeah, it. yeah. It's, look, it's worth a look, and it was quite enjoyable, but I just couldn't get over the fact that there was no sort of nothing further. It was, just, no, it was no kung fu. Yeah. yeah. It was just, look, it was just like a round table. There was no one at the round table saying that. Nah. You're out. That's, yeah, that's yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Stephen King, prolific author, prolific um, film. Yeah. His film, his, his books have been adapted into everything known to man. Mm. I prolific consumer of substances at uh, certain points. Yeah. A <laughs> couple him. of books. Doesn't remember. Doesn't remember. A <laughs> couple of books like The Shining, heavily influenced. <laughs> yeah. But. 
The guy, I believe he's in the Guinness Book of Records, is that correct? For most adapted shit. Oh, shit. Every time you turn around, there's a new Stephen King book on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he's got the most adaptions. Now, is there... Let's get a taste of favourites. Yep. Favourite adaptions. Shawshank, of course. Shawshank's high. Very, very high. high. It's probably hard to hard to put anything else at the top, really. Yeah. I mean, I read the nov- the novella, and they're basically identical. Well, they are almost identical, but the, the minor changes that are made are, are right. Make, are make the, right, the movie far yeah, better. They, well, they have to. Yeah. Like they're made for the proper reasons. Yeah. Um, and you know that is that there's only one warden. Yep. Whereas in the book there was three. Yep. Uh, and, and that that kind of lends itself to this sort of oppression that yeah that he's facing. The other and change he's was, the villain, yeah. I guess, and you need a villain in your in your exactly. Um, the other change was the uh, his his buddy who was backing up the story about um, what was his name? Oh, Elmo yeah, Blatt, yeah, yeah. Was, was they, they killed him. Yeah, yeah, they killed him. And in the in the movie in the book, he just rolled over on him. Yeah. In the movie, that really sort of heightened the emotion and really sort of um, yeah, because he was in the, he was a chance. Yeah, he was and a chance. They took it away and from they him. took it away. They killed his mate, and it, and it made his mate his mate. You know, yeah. he didn't roll over on him. Um, and it, yeah, just that the way that it sort of slammed the door shut on him again. Yeah. I think that was that was for the best. They're the only two changes I can really remember. I think the rock hammer, the rock, rock hammer's hammer. not hidden in the Bible. Ah, oh, that's right. And no. again, that was a that was a fucking yeah, that was great, a great move. Great move. Yeah. He, that line where he says salvation lies within. Yeah, brilliant. Great. Yeah, brilliant right. foreshadowing. Loved it. Yeah, I think that's that is the top of the tree. Top of the tree. Top of the tree. Um, I actually really liked Cujo. Yeah, yeah. I did like Cujo a lot, which yeah. is a surprise because it's not one of his more Noted works. Yep. Well, it's um, not. It's not one of my my huge favourites, but I do. I did enjoy it. Yeah, and, and I, I just liked the way it was done. Yep. Um, Pet Cemetery was one that I was. I didn't mind either. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job with the movie. That movie is bonkers. Have yeah, you watched it recently? Yeah, I haven't watched it's it recently. Crazy. There's a couple of scenes where I think you're watching them. And I, I thought I'd fallen asleep and was dreaming or something. The one with the girl that's played by a guy. Oh yeah. I cannot watch that. I yeah. just can't watch yeah, it. It's not good. Someone, uh, someone put it. She's all fucking twisted up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Let's not even talk about yeah. it. Yeah. What about Pet Cemetery Two with Edward Furlong? Uh, oh well, look. <laughs> Have I you watched, seen this? Yeah, yeah, I've got them both on DVD. Have I bought, bought I'll the double pack. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I kind of liked it. Okay, well, I'm going to check that shit out. I'm going to check that shit out. I have to because I haven't seen that one. Haven't you? No, I haven't seen Pitch Yeah, well, Clancy too. Brown's in it. Clancy Brown. That's okay. always that's always a that's a plus. Stand by me. Classic. Absolute classic. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's it's. One of the best coming-of-age movies ever. If you grew up in our time period, that yep. was one of those movies that, again, just sort of shaped your, yeah. shaped your existence, basically. Green Mile, of course. Green Mile, I know it's got its detractors, but I, I bloody love it. I love it too. I think he's taken more liberties with the Green Mile adapting it. Yep. There are more changes. It was lengthy the too. The it movie was lengthy. lengthy. But yeah. a couple of absolutely, just for mine, underrated Gems of performances from Sam uh, Rockwell, Sam Rockwell, <laughs> and Doug Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he was, you know, prone to marrying sixteen-year-old girls and things like that. Let's not talk uh, about that. I feel as uncomfortable as you did. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, he, but uh, in that movie, he is just fantastic. Yeah. He's one of the most despicable 
Despicable he pulls villain. it off really well. You just sit there and you want to kind of jump. You you want to punch the screen. He's yeah. just that smug little asshole. Yeah, and, and, he, and he's he, so good at it. He does a really good job in that. Um, so does Sam Rockwell. Yep. Um, but I think that's a really good cast, though. In it general. was a great, yeah, really it's a great very cast. good cast. David Morse, as David well, Morse, yes. <clears throat> Michael Jeter. Yep. Um, Hanks, of course. Like it's a, just a really, really good cast, and I think it's a. Re- I actually think it's a really good movie. I love it. I um, love it. It is long. But it, it doesn't feel long to me. I always, I always find myself enjoying it. Yep. What about some of the... Oh, Misery. Misery's Misery. And you know what? The adaption is better, I think, than the book. They streamline things yep. really well and, and they take out some probably unnecessary things. Mm. Um, not that the book's shit because the book's really good too. And some of the key scenes in the movie are basically taken. Yep. Fucking word for word. And again, it's got one of those scenes where, I mean, for the rest of your life, if you oh. see Sledgehammer, all you can think about is fucking... Fuck, they don't have a plank of wood, do they? <laughs> yeah, I'm not tied to the fucking bed, am yeah. I? Jesus, that was just... Okay. I'm going to throw one out there that most people probably are going to howl me down on this, but I actually didn't mind The Dark Half. I haven't seen it. The Dark Half was okay. Right. It's on iTunes. Can I just tell you down for the fun of it? You can. Piece of shit. I mean, it was a George Romero one, but I, I liked the book, The Dark Half, and I thought they did a pretty good job Yep. Um, with the movie. Anything else in your sort of guilty pleasures? Oh, look, I've got another one that I believe belongs on the, on the gems list, The Mist. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I love The Mist. Oh, fuck, I forgot about The um, Mist, yeah. And, and the ending is just the one ending. of the great endings. Yeah. And Stephen King, I believe, he, he, I think his line was something like that, that would be the ending that I um, I would have written if I had a set of balls. Yeah. Um, he loved the ending, and I think the ending is just one of the most gut-wrenching sort of yeah. things on. on it's, it's one really of the, hard. Yeah, but just such a such a great finish and to a, to a really underrated movie, I think. Again, Frank Darabont. Just let him take every friggin' Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, and, and do them from do from them. here on in. Um, Not many others that I I love. Yeah, look, a couple of sneaky ones. Actually, I'm a bit of a fan of the Night Flyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mind the Night Flyer. I thought that was okay. Yeah, it's um. The movie probably stretches out an idea that's not probably doesn't have that much in it. Um, but I I just there's something about the movie that really really gets me. Um. I, I've watched it, I think it's two or three times now, hmm. and I've enjoyed it every time. I just yeah. keep going back thinking, am I going to... I hate something this I'm, is going to be shit. But yeah. Speaking of that, I Miguel used to... Miguel Ferrer gives a good performance. Yeah. I like that. I actually, uh, I used to really like when I was a kid, sometimes they come back. Great idea. Great idea. I used to love it. I, I, I just thought, again, maybe when I, was, when I was younger, I was getting caught up in that idea. I just think it was a really, really fun idea about, yeah. you know... Um, the, the kids that killed this bloke's brother when he's a school teacher sort of coming back in his class. It was sort of – I thought it was a good setup. But no. But no. I found the, <laughs> I found the movie for six bucks on a DVD sale. Six bucks. I want it back. But anyway, I, I, I purchased thinking, oh, you know, I haven't seen this for years and I used to love it. I reckon I saw it about five times in my teen years and early teens. I just – there was something about it, and I hadn't seen it for that long, and I picked it up, and I was just so looking forward to it, and I settled in, and it was a stinker. It, it just... It was an absolute stinker. It was a shocker. Um, 
Like, just shit. That said, I have seen sometimes they come back again. <laughs> have you seen sometimes they come back for more? No, I didn't see that one. <laughs> no? Sometimes they come back again, just, just that was the, that was a nail Look, the coffin. Th- there were several of those, I believe. There was about ten children of the corns. Yes. Honestly, do you think King sits down for lunch with his agent and he goes, look, let's talk... Um, there's going to be a Children of Corn 9, and King's like, Nine? What the fuck's going on? Let's get out of this business. And the manager's going, Nah, checks, mate. Checks yeah. are still coming in. I reckon, no. <laughs> I reckon um, King gets a call from from one of his kids, or maybe not Joe Hill, because he's making his own money now, yeah, yeah. Or, or somebody that says, Look, I need a new car. And King says, Fuck. And then he gets on the. Gets on the <laughs> On the phone to the agent and Anyone goes, listen, for children look, of the corn? listen, I'm pitching an idea for Children of the Corn 15. What do you reckon? <laughs> Sound good? Here's an idea. They bring back, uh, they, they just come back again. Yeah. What about sometimes they come back again, um, again, again. for a little bit more or something? You know. <laughs> I think... I, sometimes I, there's still a bit more to get. I would assume that Stephen King probably doesn't even know what the fuck checks he's getting and what's getting made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Children of the Corn situation is probably, they signed, he signed off on it. And now it's fucking open slather. Yep. And they always use his name. Do you know? His name's yeah, still yeah. getting fucking bandied around amongst that shit. Can I toss out uh, Dolores Claiborne as well? Yes, you can. I really, uh, uh, again, I haven't seen it for a while, but I really enjoyed it. But it's a, it's, it's a different, I liked it because it was a different type of king Story. It's more in the realm of more understated. More, well, yeah, it's more in the realm of the Green Miles and the Shawshank Redemptions yeah. than, than the horror sort of ones. Um, and I don't know. I just think he, he seems to do that stuff really well. Yeah, doesn't do it as much, but when he does, it seems to work. Let's get to the steamers, though. Well, you got any others? Oh, fuck. I was just going to throw out a mention to um, the creep show, the raft, the raft. Actually, I'll, I'm going to join you on the raft. But I'm also going to throw in Quitters Incorporated. Yeah, yeah. And the and the um the ledge. Yep. They were in Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye. Yep. They they're fucking good. I think I've got that on DVD too. Jesus Christ! You will buy fucking uh, dog well. shit. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave it two thumbs up. You just give it two out of the three stories a, a sneaky thumbs up. Um, no, look, I will buy it if it's you know seven dollars or less. And I think it was. <laughs> okay. You said that, and then you said, oh, I'll borrow it. Yeah, yeah I'll borrow it, yeah, too. Yeah, of course I'll will. borrow that. Quick review. Those ones are good because they're from short stories, and they actually work well in the, the confines that, of the anthology type of setup. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I am do like an anthology film. Mm. Um, so Stay taking, tuned, people. Taking, doing an anthology yeah, next. Taking King's work it just seems natural. Yeah. For that sort of, uh, for that sort of thing. I'm so, surprised someone hasn't done, like, just a straight-out... A Stephen King anthology movie yeah. and done like four stories. I know you know we've, we'll go into the TV side of things and they've done similar things to that. But I mean, a, a Stephen King movie with three or four of his better short stories would be great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There was actually one in that Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Yeah, most of that was shit. Most of it was shit. I got but that there was on the DVD. one with I oh know I borrowed yeah, it from yeah. and watched it. I think it was more than six stories. Um, it was the one that had where he, he's a hitman who gets the fucking toy chest that turns up yeah. at his doorstep. I think it was, it was, was Battleground it Battlefield? or Battlefield? Battle, yeah, Battleground. I, think. I didn't mind Battlefield. that either. I, I thought like that, that was one. okay. Yep. It was the only good one of a pretty shitty 
series of his stories. I'll go with you there. So you've jumped into TV. Then, oh, sorry, mate. I'm just jumping around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Just well, okay, okay. Professionalism on film, on film, what, what, what's he got in the shit cannon? In the shit cannon? Well, I haven't seen it, but surely you've got to throw maximum overdrive in there. I've seen it. He's... And you can just throw it right in there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> even he said it, didn't he? It's, listen. I believe it was in on writing. I believe it was high. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, he said that, but in on writing, he says something about, you know, something that, that um, equals shit writing, and he goes, as the author of Maximum Overdrive, I'm qualified to talk on the subject. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Even he says it. It's not cool. The Mangler? Did you see The Mangler? No, I didn't. Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. Jesus. That was low, low brow. And we're talking about a short story that maybe was 25 pages long. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck they turned it into a movie. Yep. Um, Thinner. Thinner wasn't good. I saw Thinner recently. It just doesn't work as a. It probably doesn't even work as a book. It's not one of his better ones. I've got a question for you. Maybe not shit canning it, but where's the Running Man fall for you? The Running Man's not in the gems. It's not in the shit. It's no. kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um. There's things I like about it. If you were talking to, to talking to um twelve year old me. It would have been number one, guaranteed. <laughs> it would have been number one on the list. Yeah, because you, you you had a soft spot for oh, it. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was on that same you know rotation as yeah, Predator yeah, yeah, and yeah. Lethal, Lethal Weapon. Um, it it, uh, it was just awesome at a time, and then again showed up on DVD, and I'm in. I've raced into JB, <laughs> rubbing, rubbing my hands together. How good's this? <laughs> and I went home and thought, oh shit. <laughs> The shine's come off a little bit. <laughs> Look, it's not bad. The idea itself is excellent. I love the idea. It's ahead of idea. its time. It is, yeah. Um, well ahead of its time. Well, shit, we're not too far from a running man TV show. Yeah, with all the reality yeah TV we shows aren't too got. far off it. You know, you'll have the Bachelorette, but what you've got to do is kill each yeah. other to get them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, just um, just grab a chainsaw, hack through this uh, room full of people, yeah, and then and there's a rose waiting for you. People who come out on top, rose. <laughs> I don't particularly like Christine. Oh yeah, I think I it's didn't love it. Okay, in parts, but yeah. it's just not. It doesn't quite. The book is really, really good. Yeah, it really yeah. captures that high school atmosphere of the eighties and all that sort of stuff. And the and then you know the way he slides back into almost being like a greaser mm. in the sixties. I wanted to like it, but I think, uh, yeah, exactly right. I think the movie seems to be lacking something. It seems to be lacking a lot in the story department. And I think, uh, again, from knowing the little I do about the book, things like the ghost element would have would have helped it. Yes. Yes, I think so. And it's just it's one of these ones that you couldn't really find a way to do it properly, some of that sort of stuff. I mean, who am I to talk... To fucking shovel shit on John Carpenter, but I'm no, going to. We should just a little bit. We shouldn't, but we we had to. Just a small shovel. Um, uh, Dreamcatcher. Didn't yeah, watch it. Not good. Um, I was going to watch it, and then I heard everyone else talking it about it. Sucked. So I yeah, it. it wasn't good. Uh, what about? I had one that I kind of really wanted to like. Secret Window. No, I never wanted to like. That, that. was poop. Um, Silver Bullet. Gary Busey. Mm. Corey Haim. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like kind of right up my alley. I was, you know, 
Uh, another one that had been out for years before I'd actually got to see it. But Stephen King, Werewolves, Busey. <laughs> Busey, pre-accident. Everything was coming up win. Um, but it didn't. It did win for you? No, it wasn't real good. No, it's, it's, it lacks a bit. And, you know, it's another one of these sort of short novellas or whatever. That you, yeah, you and if I'd actually read the book, I mean, if I was one of those people that was steeped in reading all of Stephen King's, King's books instead of picking and choosing, I probably would have known before I got in that it wasn't one of his better it's ones. not one of his best. Let's move on to Telly. Because he's been on telly a bit. I'm going to throw one straight out there that I absolutely love. Storm of the Century. Haven't seen it. Very good. I loved it. I really do. I can watch it any time. I really like it. Yep. Um, and it, it really delivers. Uh, it. It's it has aged. Yeah. But it, uh, you can't knock Tim Curry. Is considered like that's considered the, the. The king of the, of the scary clowns. Out yeah, there. yeah. You know, and that's a TV show. It's not not something that everybody you know, would have seen. Mm. And he, the performance of him is just fantastic. Yeah, I think I think that's another one I need to go back and watch because I I remember it being, I remember it being a disappointment at the end. Yeah, it is a little when, disappointing at the end when it takes it away from from the um the, the clown and it's it turns into the monster and things like that. It, I don't know whether it was uh, effects or what let it down, but it just sort of took the scares away. Yeah. Um, but I also, I probably also watched it mostly at a time where I wasn't picking up again on the coming of age things as much. Yeah. But still, to this day, if I walk past a bloody a drain, I take a sort of step. little shuffle. Little shuffle to the opposite direction or preferably walk. Above the drain, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to look down it because I think the thing's going to pop up. Hey, Georgie. Yeah. Um, that's still that, oh, another one that I struggle to watch. Yeah, ag- agree. That scene. I, um, I was. I didn't mind the Shining miniseries. Yeah. I thought they did that reasonably well. Yeah. Um, I can't actually remember. I don't think I've seen it. I've, I've got, got it. a feeling that I, I might have missed it. I've got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I better borrow that one. I've also got Salem's I'll, Lot. I'll swap the, you for Cat's Eye. Yeah, the miniseries Salem's Lot. I've also got Golden Years sitting there. Golden Years? Didn't watch that. I don't think it's high on the TV. No. I'm going to throw this in there as, a, as, a, as one that I enjoyed. I actually enjoyed the Dead Zone TV series. Yeah, I was a big fan. I thought fan. that worked well. Yeah. It was a really good idea, and it, 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 was, it was wide open. The fact that he could touch people and see their, their future yeah. was right. It reminded me. Show. It reminded me in a way of um, Quantum Leap. Yeah, a little bit. Because it had this idea that in the TV realm lent itself to all sorts of stories. Like it seems like a really straightforward thing. You touch someone and you see their future, but there's some really interesting ways to put twists on it, which I think they did. And that was similar to to Quantum Leap. Yeah. Where, you know, you you jump into someone's body and you've got to write, you know, something in their life. Yeah. Um, Again, straightforward idea, but there was some really interesting twists on it along yeah, the way. Agreed. And I think that's what the Dead Zone did for me. Like I, I looked forward to, to tuning in each week and seeing where they took it. Well, there was one I remember very, um, very well from the first couple of seasons where he um, he touched somebody. Uh, he'd just been given blood. Yeah. And he had five different people's memories. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He was looking for one. One of them was going to kill themselves. 
And they were all gonna they were gonna do it out in the square, and all five of them were in the square, and he had to try and work out which one it was. Yeah, I thought that was See, just a great idea. I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. it's a simple idea that with a bit of, uh, you know, with with some care taken with it, can come up with some really. And I like the episodes. fact that they they stretched out the Stilson angle. Yeah. It, it, they didn't just blow the Stilson stuff in the season. Yeah. They stretched the Stilson stuff over five seasons. Yeah, because I actually, uh, again, I've got it on DVD, but I, I didn't mind the Dead Zone movie. Yeah, yeah. no, neither did I. I thought that yeah. was, I thought but was I good. But I think too. you're right. Stretching that, stretching that out was a good idea. It meant that they had a through line, but they also had all these other things going on as well. Yep. I think we talked about, um, as far as ones that didn't really work out, Nightmares and Dreamscapes being one of them. Yeah, that was a heavy disappointment. Because I actually hoped that was going to be something decent. Yeah, it's again that 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 sort of uh, anthology setup. Because um, I mean, Nightmares and Dreamscapes sort of comes under the realm of like the Twilight Zone sort of setup for me, and I love that. I love that um, that anthology setup in a movie, TV, whatever. I'm all for it. I love seeing those short stories and just, you know, that self-contained, whether it's a half hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is, just that self-contained story. But Nightmares and Dreamscapes, it seems, again, it seemed to have such a such a uh, catalogue to work from mm. and just messed it up. Yeah, and I think it's partially because they, he took, they took the stories from that particular yeah, book. Yeah, they took them And they weren't his best. Yeah, I wish they'd kind of expanded a little. I don't know whether there was rights issues or anything with that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that, that book is, again, probably not one of his No, it's not one of his better. It's got a couple of good ones in there. And I'm going to throw this one at you. Under the Dome was a letdown uh, because the book is brilliant. Mm. It is really, really good. And I just thought the TV series, it was, you know what? It was a one and done. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. They decided to stretch it over three seasons. And it was a mistake. It didn't have three seasons worth of material in it. I watched the uh, the first episode and I kind of dropped out. Yeah. It didn't. It held me for didn't a season. excite me so much. It held me for a season because I'd read the book and I could see little parts of it coming to life. Yep. And I thought, yeah, we're on track here. We've just got to sort of tighten it up. And then I hear, oh, they've got a second season in the works. I'm thinking, all right, well, it's going to be a fucking cliffhanger. And, of course, it was. And then I started watching the second season, and I just got lost interest after about two episodes. What about uh, Salem's Lot? The original? Both. Uh, I haven't seen the original in a long, long time, but I believe it's good. It's got to be brought up, I suppose, again, a couple of iconic sequences. Yes, the remake, the Rob Lowe one, that I've got on DVD, yep. isn't too bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Shot here in Australia. Yep. I believe he I may him. have run past you yeah, while yeah, shooting I, said. I saw him. Well, yeah, he's just. Uh, I was strolling along a street in Melbourne with my other half, and uh, there goes Rob Lowe. Actually, did a bit of a sidestep. He was sort of jinking between traffic, and I came. I came face to face with. Mr. Rob Lowe, and he just sort of put the big step on me, and off he went. And I just said to my wife, that, that was fucking Rob Lowe. And she goes, bullshit. Who's Rob Lowe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously not up to it. date. Don't worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I am looking forward to, they have, uh, they're in pre-production on 11-22-63 yeah. on TV, and that was an excellent book. That's a, another, that's a Stephen King sort of time travel one and it it was good it was really good so I'm hoping I believe James Franco's involved in some capacity is that good or bad yeah I think it's a good thing 
Don't give him him too much control. Nah, just... (laughs) Keep a leash on it. Just acting. (laughs) I think that's about covered. Yeah, pretty much. All right, let's take our last break. We'll come back and let you know what we're doing for Halloween. Next episode, Halloween episode, mm. right? We're going to go down the anthology route. Yes. Now, you're a fan of this. I'm a huge you're fan. You're a big fan of this. We're covering Trick or Treat yep. from 2009. Mm-hmm. It's an anthology package. I believe it's five sort of stories that yeah. are interwoven. I think it's four. Four stories interwoven. It'd be good to run through something different because, you know, when we talk Halloween, we think Halloween, we think Michael Myers. Yeah. I think we go back to that well. We've already done that three We've times. fallen down that well yeah, a couple of times. Still climbing out of that <laughs> So um, I'm looking forward to it because I think this is something, one that's not fresh to everyone's mind. Oh, look, before we even get there, I'm, I'm calling it classic. You're already pumped up. Hallow- after Halloween, it's probably the quintessential Halloween movie. So it'll be an interesting discussion, I think. Mm. And we might... Also, uh, go into a more in-depth discussion about anthology horror. Right. Shit. So there'll be plenty to talk about, I think, in the next episode. Yep. Anyone who wants to get in touch with us to drop us a line about what movies they want to watch, any thoughts on what we've already covered, your opinions. If you'd like to explain anything about the shine, shine that we myself, might have missed. I would be greatly <laughs> appreciated. Essays will be accepted. Yep. Um, contact us. Just in, just know that I'm I'm calling bullshit on the moon landing thing, <laughs> so don't send me that one. What about the face in the clouds? Wasn't there. <laughs> I paused it. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. Right. Contact us through our Facebook page at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or via email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Until next week, enjoy your podcast listening. Keep downloading our episodes and we will catch you later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.